Well, today we're going to finish up talking about 2020 vision. As we've been looking at this, we've said, hey, what would it be like if we had a vision for our life? It was a big enough vision that it was going to take us more than just this New Year's resolution for us to go, hey, how can I do that? How can I achieve that? How do I begin to to move toward that? And so as we did this, we said, let's start by setting that finish line. That we've got to understand, what's that finish line going to be? Where is it that I'm going to want to end up? What is it I want to do? What is it I want to be? What is it I want to become? That I would set this finish line out there. And it would be a line that it would go, it's going to stretch me, it's going to require some things of me in order for me to get to that place. We looked at this value of that we would always hustle. That we wouldn't be somebody, we would just kind of set a finish line and go... Well, it kind of be nice, maybe one day. It would be that we would hustle. We would always be about hustling, trying to get there. And then we said, well, hey, let's look at the, the value of humility. Let's, let's make sure that we understand that. Because we don't want to be people that we're, we're trampling over others as we're trying to get to our finish line. That we want to understand that, that there is a value that, that belongs to other people that we don't want to come all over them and hurt them and not care about them. And so that we would always be hustling, but yet we would understand this value of humility and we would be humble in who we are. And then we looked at this idea of, of that we would stay hungry. That, that, that we, would, we would stay hungry for that goal, that finish line that we put out there. That, that we talked about this, that the hungry people, they're, they're gritty people. That they understand this, this value of grit. And when it comes to grit, what is this thing called grit? That, that grit is where there is passion and where there's perseverance and where there's stamina. That is grit. And that we would stay hungry, we would be gritty. And then I gave this warning. And the warning is that, that, that if you don't hunger for the things that God's prepared for you, then you'll begin to hunger for the things that God wants to keep you from. And, and that we've got to make sure that as we stay hungry, we, we stay hungry for the very things that God has said, this is what I have for you. We identified some of the best friends of hunger. And then those best friends are that, that there would be this faith that we would have, that, that initiative, determination, focus, see, these best friends of hunger. And so today we're going to finish this up as we talk about training time. Now let me share something with you that you might go, I really didn't really want to know that about my pastor. I don't even agree with that. Or maybe you're like going to go, oh, that's cool about you. I don't know what you're going to do with it. But about four years ago, I decided that I wanted to get a pistol and get my license to carry and and I just wanted to go down that path and it was something I've never been around guns and I've shot a rifle one other time when somebody had invited me to do that just didn't grow up around that at all I mean I had BB guns but that was as close as I had right and so that that was my experience and I'm I'm going hey I want to get a gun started talking to Cheryl about it and she's like well, hey, why don't we both go get this license to carry? We'll go through the course. And all. So we did, and so we both went through. So was before we went through, I knew I needed to buy a gun. So I went, and I'm just talking to guys and just getting their input and getting their feet. What, what is it I should get? Letting them know I really don't know anything and, and listening to them and helping, letting them help me figure out what gun I should get. So I bought one, and then a few weeks later, I was like, that was easy. Maybe I should go get another one. <laughs> and so I did. And so, so I bought two pistols. Like, hey, if we're going to go through this LTC, this license to carry, then you need a gun and I need a gun. So we got two guns. And so we, we go through, we get through the class. But, but I have to tell you, I, I wasn't very comfortable with the gun. 
being around it, using it, certainly not wanting to holster it. And, and so I, I, I did, and, and w- w- when I did, I, I was the, one of those guys that, that when it was holstered, that yeah, I could have some ammunition in my magazine, but I'd never have one loaded in the chamber, one where you could just literally pull your gun and, and squeeze the trigger and shoot. I was the guy that goes, hey, I'm going to pull it. And so it was what was interesting with that. I, I, I started thinking, you know, if I'm ended up carrying this thing, and I ever get in a hostile situation, and I feel like I'm having to defend myself or somebody else, I, that, that I'm going to be that guy that's going to go, um, hey, uh, t- t- time out, I need, to, I need to rack my gun, you know, uh, because I was just never going to be ready. I, just, I was just that guy. And so um, I'll tell you, when I, when I first took this gun out, I, I'd never shot a pistol before, and we've got a guy in our church, he's retired Homeland Security, and so I asked him, hey, would you take me out to the range, and would you just kind of give me this kind of understanding, this lowdown, how was I supposed to use this thing? I, I just don't know the first thing about it. And so he did, and it was great, and I got some understanding. In fact, afterwards he says, hey, if you want to go back to my house, we can clean it, I'll show you how to do that. And I'm like, oh, you clean it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, that'd be great. And so, so he took me, showed me how to break it down and how to clean it, and it was just great. And so I started talking to a few different people about my new interest and what I wanted to do with this thing. And, and one of my friends, his name's Carl, and, and he lives in Vegas, but he comes into the San Antonio area several times a year. And, and so I was just telling him, that, hey, I, I started, started carrying a gun sometimes. It's kind of weird and intimidating, but I really don't know what I'm doing that much. And, uh, you know, you guys are hearing that and I go, then you shouldn't be carrying a gun. I, I know I shouldn't have. But anyways, so he says, listen, there, there is a place not too far from my house. It's called Front Sight. And, and they do training. He says, listen, I, I'm a member. Listen, I, I will treat you to a two-day training course up there if, if you'll make your way up here. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure, absolutely. And so he had to talk me through, what do you have to do, and, and how do I have to pack my gun and put the locks on it? He had to tell me all these things so I could fly up there and, and take my gun with me. So I do all of that. I get there. We get to this training, and I am excited that I'm going to learn about how to fire this thing, how to use this thing, and, and, and I'm so excited. We, we get there. It's a two-day course. The first day I'm there, we have been in training for six hours, and my gun has not seen a bullet. And I'm like going, I thought I was coming here to learn how to shoot. But here's what they did with this training. That they had us have a holster on. And they wanted us to learn specific things. They wanted us to learn how to stand and how to face forward. They wanted us to learn how to, how to draw and how to, how to push our gun out. They wanted to really make sure that we understood that you don't ever put your finger in the trigger guard when you are pulling your gun out. And I'm going, that makes total sense to me. And then they said this. He said, they said, when we get to the point where you're going to have ammunition, you're going to be drawing your weapon with a round in the chamber. And I'm like going, I'm not very comfortable with that. I, I, I don't want to do that because I don't want to shoot my leg or my foot. And, and, and I'm, I'm kind of sort of comfortable with my gun now, but that's because uh, when it gets any kind of ammunition in it, it's sitting on a table or it's right in my hand and it's aimed right down there at the target. And so I'm kind of comfortable with that. But anytime that's going to be pointed somewhere else, I, I don't know if I'm very comfortable with that. And so they had us draw our gun. Hundreds, I cannot tell you how many countless hundreds, maybe even over a thousand times, that they had us draw our weapon. No magazine in it, no ammunition in it. And every time we would draw this, they would have somebody that was looking at our trigger finger. Where is that? Because you are not allowed 
to put that anywhere near your trigger guard. You can put it alongside the barrel. You can just hold it. But, but you pull your weapon. They, they would be, how do, you, how do you put it out? And Because it wasn't this, I'm going to do this. You know, and all these things I had to learn. I, I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. But I went through this training. And when we finally got to the point, six hours later, where they say, okay, go get your magazines and load your guns, I had very little intimidation when it came to that this thing was going to have a round in the chamber ready to shoot. And, and, and we did. We just started, and, and we were able to shoot. And, and it was because of this training. It wasn't because they said, hey, we're just going to inform you of what you're going to do. It wasn't because they just kind of introduced us to this concept. And it wasn't even because they were instructing us. It, they went far beyond that. And it was training, training, training. Hours of dedicating to just getting familiar with something and getting comfortable with it. When, when there, it cannot do any harm, that it cannot do any damage. And, and that's what they did, and they walked us through this. And, 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 and so it's been great, and I'm so much comfortable, more comfortable now and, and with that and what I do with that. But, but I have to tell you that there was something that they didn't train me on, that, that it could have saved me a lot of headache and heartache if they would have trained me on this. You need to have a dedicated range bag. That you need to have a bag that, that, that the only purpose for that bag is where you're putting your ammunition. Don't be taking a backpack and using it and taking it to the range sometimes and using it when you go fly on the airplane. And, and they could have saved me a whole lot of headache. They could have saved me from being arrested. They could have saved me from being registered in Interpol in a foreign country because I didn't know that I needed to have a dedicated, I knew to empty out my pocket, I just didn't check all my pockets thoroughly. I've shared that story with you guys before as far as that, and we're not going to go down that, and I'm not going to relive and remember that, because I kind of like to bury that whole thing from my past, that it is in the past. But training, training is so important, that, that we have to do more than just being introduced to something. That we have to have more than just this information, more than just this instruction. But how is it that we have training, this repetition that just keeps happening over and over and over? And we get trained in something so that we can get comfortable with it and that we can be proficient with it. Jesus trained his disciples. He didn't just inform them. He didn't just instruct them. He didn't just introduce them. to something. He trained his disciples. And as he trained his disciples that there would be times that he would be doing something and after he would do it, after he taught it or after he did a miracle, that, that he would pull them aside and, and he would explain to them what he did. There were times that, that he had given them responsibility and for them to do something and sometimes they weren't successful at it and he would pull them aside and he would explain things to them again. That, that he would point out what is it that worked and why did this work. He would point out maybe at times why it didn't work that he would do this. There would be times that he would get in front of the whole crowds and he would say something to them and then he'd get the disciples by themselves and he'd take it so much further with them because he wasn't just informing, instructing, or introducing them to something. He was training them. And he was training them because he knew that his time on this earth was a limited time. He knew that the day would come that he would give his life for all of humanity. For anyone who would put their faith, their trust in him. He knew that he would give his life. He knew that he would come back from the dead, that he would rise from the dead. And, and, he, and when he did this, he came back and he was on earth for 40 days after he had risen from the dead. And as 
he was about to depart and enter into heaven until he will one day come again. He gave this instruction to his disciples. It's found in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. And, and we call this the Great Commission. This is where he was commissioning his disciples, telling them, this is what I expect of you. This is what you are to do. And this is what he said. So he's right about ready to, to return back to heaven. He's given his life already. He's been on earth for 40 days, and he shares this. Therefore, go and make disciples. And a disciple is a learner, a student. These people are going to be trained. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let me tell you what didn't happen after that. That after Jesus said this, you didn't have a disciple go, why? Why, Jesus? You didn't have a disciple raise their hand and go, well, how are we supposed to do that, Jesus? That, that didn't happen. Because he had spent three years training them. And as he's trained them, now he's given them this big what. This is what you are to do. And after he gave them this what, shortly after this, he returns to heaven. You know, it's great for you, it's great for me, to catch a vision for our lives. It's great after we catch it, to own it and to have it and go, hey, this is the vision that I have. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do. Those are great. But what's even greater is that when you and I catch and have what God's vision is for our life, that is what is even greater. So I'm going to share with you five benefits of training because it's training time. We've looked at a lot of this how We've looked at a lot of the why, and, and we're going to look and go, hey, let's, let's get serious about that we would go into training mode so that we can have a 2020 vision. And so let me share with you these five benefits of training. Number one is it teaches truths. That's one of the benefits of training. Here, here are the truths. Here are the truths that you need to know. Very wise man Solomon, he wrote this, and it's written in Proverbs, Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 8. The wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools fall flat on their faces. So they're babbling fools because they're too busy talking when they're in a place that they could be getting training. And so they don't want to be trained, and they're just going, I'm going I'm. but see, the wise, they're glad to be instructed. They're glad to, to learn these truths. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if. I put that out there because I want you to understand this. That Jesus said, you're my disciples. Jesus said, hey, it's conditional of whether or not you are actually one of my disciples. It's conditional of whether or not you're somebody that's actually serious about being trained. Because it's not enough to just be informed and introduced and instructed. You're going to have to be trained if you're going to be one of my disciples. And he said that you are truly one of my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. That, that, that's, that's the measurement. That's the litmus test. Are, are we a disciple of Jesus or not? 
Are, are we staying true to what it is that he has taught? And then he said this. He said, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. See, truth is on our side. Truth is our friend. And that we need to be trained in such a way that we've learned, we're being taught these truths, and that we would leverage them in our lives. In the book of 2 Timothy, Paul had somebody, the Apostle Paul, that he really poured into, that was one of his disciples that he just poured so much into. His name is Timothy. And so this is one of the letters that he's writing to Timothy. And he says, in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 14 through 16, But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And then this thing that he tells Timothy next is something that is so important for us to understand, especially in this concept of truth and how training, it it teaches truths. That he said, all scripture is inspired by God and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. That's why it's so important for us to keep getting into God's word, keep getting into the Bible, these holy scriptures, because the truths are there, and those truths, they're good for correcting and training, and they're good for helping us see the path that we should be on. Another benefit of training is it promotes teamwork. That it promotes this idea of teamwork. When we look at what else Paul was writing to Timothy, he said this in 2 Timothy 2, 2. He says, you've heard me teach things that have, been, that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So, so I've taught you, Timothy. Now, Timothy, you need to be teaching some others. And as you teach these others, make sure that they're going to teach others, that there's this teamwork, and it's just going to keep going, and it's going to keep spreading. You know, I think one of the things that we can look at and observe and see and go, hey, there's some lessons in teamwork there, is, is when you watch a, a flock of geese, and you, and you watch them, whether they're, they're flying south for the winter, or they're headed north because the spring is here, but, but when you watch them, we probably all here know that they fly in this formation, this V formation. But I think there's some lessons about just doing a little bit of observation that we go, hey, you know, there's some things about teamwork there that we could all learn from. One of those things is leadership. That when it comes to geese and leadership, they, they rotate leadership. They, they don't have just, just one goose that they go, hey, you're in charge and you kind of lead the way and we're just going to follow. They intuitively, instinctually, they understand this value of shared leadership. And so the one that's up front and just kind of cutting through the headwinds, they only stay in that position so long before they rotate out of it. And they're not having to work as hard because the one leading at the front point is having to work harder than any of the others. And they know that, so they won't want to exhaust one individual within the team. And so they share leadership with the team. 
The second thing that we can see and learn from them is within this flying V formation is that what they do is that they, the person in the front, they, they create this upward lift, this upward draft. And as they create this upward draft, then the, then the, the geese that are, that are right behind that one in the front, they've got a little bit of a lift, but so when they put, they don't have to push this up, and it creates even more, and it just keeps making it easier the further back that you get. And researchers that have looked at this and studied this, they've discovered that because of this upward airlift that is being generated, that they are 70% more efficient than if they were all just trying to fly on their own. That they can go 70% further without having to take a break with the same amount of energy that they are putting out. And it's this value of teamwork. Here's a third thing that's so neat to know and observe and go, wow, there's some value there. That when they're is a goose that's, that's flying and, that, and, and they get sick or they get injured. When they leave the flying V, two other geese go with them. You will always see when one starts to fall out that there will be two that will go with the one. And that, that three of them leave the V. And that the reason that two others go with, because they go, hey, we're not going to leave you on your own because you might need some assistance. You might need some help. You might need some protection and you might need some support. And so we're going to go with you. And it's another one of these things we look at and we say, hey, there's something to learn there. You know, the, the last thing when I think about this and, and what we learn from it is it's, <clears throat> it's always that the geese in the back, the, the two at the very end, that do all the honking. You know, it, it's always the ones at the very end. And, and the reason that they're doing that is because they don't want to have to let anybody else have to turn around to see, are they still there? That, that, that by communicating all the time, everybody knows, hey, we're okay, keep going, keep pressing forward. And, and so they're there and they're honking this thing out. That when we look at this, there's some things about teamwork that we need to all understand. For them, it's just instinctual, that is natural for them. Whether for them, it's this idea of we're going to rotate leadership. Whether it's this idea that they're going to create this upward lift to make it easier for others. Whether they're going to go, hey, I'm going to drop out and be with you and support you because you need my support right now. Or whether it's just this communication to make sure that everybody knows where we're at and what is going on. All of this is instinctual to them, but it's not to us. And so, so there's this training that comes in. And when we look at training, training is this thing, it, it promotes teamwork and it allows us to learn some things about teamwork that absolutely must be done if we're going to achieve a 2020 vision for our lives. A third thing, when we look at the benefit of training, is it imitates instructors. That's what training does, that, that you have an instructor that, that you are to imitate. Listen, if you ever have an instructor that tells you, do as I say, not as I do, you need to find another instructor. You know, parents, that, that's I think, is one of the worst things we could ever tell our kids, is when we say to our kids, do as I say, not as I do. And that, that we've got to be this example. We've got to model it out. We've got to live it out to them and for them. And so when we look at this idea of training, 
It is this thing. It, it imitates the instructor, that the instructor knows, hey, I do these things, and this is going to be really good if, if you'll learn to do these things, and do these things as I do them. Do these things like the way that I do them, and you will be better off for it. Paul wrote this as well in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 15. He's writing to these believers in Corinthians, and he says, for even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, and that would be a good thing. He's not, he's not dissing that. He says, you have only one spiritual father, little f father, because he's not talking about his heavenly father. He's talking about the one who introduced you to Christ. He's talking about himself. He says, for I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. And look at what Paul does after he sets the stage to remind them this is who he is in their life. He says to them in this very next verse, so I urge you to imitate me. Paul didn't say, so you know what, I, I'm going to encourage you um, to, to kind of imitate me and kind of see what you do. You know what, I, I'd really like for you to, I think, it, I think it might be a good idea if you do. I urge you to imitate me. That I'm living it out. And, and, and if you want to experience Christ the way that I've experienced him, then do as I do. Do as I do. And that, that, that this is what training does when we say, hey, I want to be around somebody. That, that I'm going to be able to learn from them by watching them and observing them. That I'm going to put myself around a mentor. Somebody who I'm going to be able to let them be somebody that I go, hey, I'd like to share something with you, this thought, I want to pick your brain, get some insight from you. This is what we want and this is what we need if we're going to advance in our 2020 vision. The uncommon individual foundation, it's a true group, but the uncommon individual foundation, they have come to understand through their research of mentoring and training that the third most important, the third most influential relationship that any of us have is with our mentor. Somebody who would mentor us, somebody that we would invite in to be training us, leading us, and guiding us. Then this one-on-one -on -one kind of relationship. It's the third most important relationship that we could ever have. Well, what's the other two? Well, the first is marriage. And the second is the extended family, whether it's your immediate family or even out to that extended family. That those are important and influential, but the third most important, the third most influential relationship is having a mentor. You know what mentors do is, is they ask good questions. That they get in our lives and they ask us things like, how are your abilities being leveraged? They ask you that because they want to, are you really using your skills, your talents? Your, how are those being, they want to know. They want to hear maybe how they aren't being done because they want to help focus you in them. Did they ask questions like, hey, how is, how's your character being tested right now? Where is it that your character has been? How have you done with that test that's come along? Because they, they, they know that it's important for us to be able to get past these testings of our character. They ask us questions like, what's some of the biggest pain that you've experienced in life? And then they ask us, how are you allowing God to heal you from that pain and use that pain 
to help others. We got, if you were here last Monday, you got to hear an incredible journey of a family that experienced some really difficult pain and how it is that they've allowed God to use that in their lives to grow them and even grow and encourage others. See, a mentoring relationship, it's an important relationship for us to have. That, that, that we get a mentor that says, hey, how might God use your past to launch you into a better future? That they're asking questions. Questions that we don't just ignore, but questions that we would wrestle with. And then that mentor, they will follow up. They won't just ask a question. They're going to follow up with the questions that they have been asking. That these are important to us. Another benefit of training is it narrows thinking. That it it narrows our thinking. And, And here's the thing about narrowness. Narrowness provides clarity. That the, the, the more narrow you get, the more clear it becomes. On a couple of different occasions, Jesus provided some, some clarity through some narrowness of thinking. Let me share one of these with you. In Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13, Jesus said, You can enter God's kingdom only through the, what's that word? What's the word? Only through the narrow gate. If you want to enter God's kingdom, the only way you're getting there is through this narrow gate. <clears throat> and then he referred to some people that um, in our lifetime, that, that, they're, that they're these theologians that we never, never really thought about them as theologians. Um, this, you might have heard of this group, uh, ACDC. But they're, <clears throat> they've, they've got some theology in them. Look, look at this. The highway to hell is broad. That, that, that if you're going to get to, it's, it's, it's a highway, it's a wide, wide, wide path. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. See, when we look at this, we see narrowness provides clarity. And when training, the more clarity people receive, the more they will achieve. It's just training 101. The more clarity people receive, then the more they are able to achieve because of that clarity. And the last one is it advances transformation that's what training does it it advances transformation that when there's training taking place lives should be being transformed organizations should be transformed and it advances this another writing from paul in the book of romans chapter 12 verse 2 he wrote he said don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person. That's what God wants to do. He, he wants to take our old self, our old sinful self, our old nature. He wants to transform us into a new person. And Paul, 
He didn't just say that let God do that, but he said, well, here's how. Here's how you let God do that. And he said this, by changing the way you think. When, when we change the way that we think, it will advance this transformation, allows God to transform us. Then, once you get to that place, then you will learn to know God's will for you. When, when it says God's will for you, here's another way we could say this. Then you will get to know God's vision for you. God's vision for you. God's finish line for you. God's will for you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good. It is pleasing. And it is perfect. It's a perfect vision. It is a perfect will for us that comes from our Heavenly Father. And I think chances are we can get to the end of a series like this. And, and there can be some people in the room that, that you look at this and you go, you know, God just doesn't want me anymore. You, you go down this path and you go, you know, God, God's, God's through with me. You know, I've I blown it. There was a time maybe that God wanted me, and, but God, God just doesn't want me anymore. And you get to this place where you go, you know what, God, God can't even use me anymore. See, none of those are true. And that's why we've got to have this training so we can understand, listen, God wants to restore you wherever you are because he's got a will for you and it's a good will. It's a pleasing will. It is a perfect will for you. In 2020 vision, it's about seeing clearly that God loves you, that God has purpose for you. God has a plan for you. And that we've got to get in God's word and, and be trained in this and understand how is it that we can have this incredible life of purpose, that we can have a life that is absolutely worth living, that we can have a life that when we look back on it, we go, that was legacy worthy. That, that we would have that kind of a life. Yes, we've got to set our finish line. Yeah, we, 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 we've got to be hustling. Yeah, we, we better remain humble. And sure, you stay hungry. But train, 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 train. Because training, it's what teaches truth. It's what produces teamwork. It's what allows us to be able to imitate our instructor. It narrows our thinking. And yes, when it comes to training, it advances transformation that's what it does and so we need to keep getting in places where this can take place and and this is a good place but it's not the only place and there's more that could be being done that, that, that we'll have our journey teams which is another great place for you to be involved in training there are times in our men's ministry that that they will do studies and that'd be a great way for you to jump in men and be part of a study that, that there's times when our women's ministry bling that that they will do studies in fact they have one coming up in the middle of march march 19th is when they're starting to have their next study and maybe you're here and you're a woman you've never been part of one of those studies you're going i i, I don't know because i, I just I, I don't know if i'd feel comfortable and i don't know who some of these women are and i well, you have a golden opportunity. Because see, this Friday night from 6 to 9 p.m., our women are going to be up here and they're doing a swap meet. 
They're doing a, hey, you bring three items that you're done with. Bring five bucks for supper. Bring three items that you're just going to put out there and anybody else can take. And you're going to be able to walk away with three items that, that women are done with anyways. And they're not using their household anymore. But see, all of that, that's just smoke and mirror for women to be able to get together. For there to be some time where, where there's going to be some relationships that get started. And, and in a very safe and simple way. And ladies, if, if you don't know some of these women around here and you're going, I, that would be a great way for you to just get your start. I want to leave you with a parting thought when it comes to 2020 vision. And it's, it's a challenge. And the challenge is this. Make a plan for your life that your future self We'll thank you for. Make a plan with your life that your future self will thank you for. That's 2020 vision. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that that you love us so much that you sent your Savior, our Savior, you sent your Son so that we could be redeemed, so that we could know you, so that we could be forgiven. And Jesus, when you came, you didn't come to just offer your life, but you came to offer help and came to offer training and that we have, God, your word that we can look to and be trained with. God, we also need need some people, some individuals in our life that are going to help us with that as well. God, some of these people in this room, they, they need to be a mentor to others. Some of the people in this room, they... They need to be a mentee and be be trained by others. God, give us that kind of desire to to know you, that that we would seek out and that, that you would show, you would reveal how you want to grow us through other relationships so that we could ultimately grow our relationship with you. And we can discover your will, your vision for our life, which is good and it is pleasing and it is perfect. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.